So we are continuing our series called The Parables of Jesus. A parable is a short story that Jesus tells, kind of like a fairy tale, but it gives uh, earthly circumstances that teach us then a heavenly and a spiritual lesson. So there's a particular parable I'll be covering today called The Parable of the Weeds and the Wheat. This will help you if you find this little blue sheet that was handed out when you came in. It says God's weeds, weed control on the top, and uh, you just follow along with this as I'm preaching today the message, and you can fill in some blanks, take it home with you. There's discussion questions. It all helps make God's word a little more sticky and helps you take it home with you. I chuckle when, uh, when I watch ads on TV that are uh, TV commercials for prescription drugs. And the reason that I chuckle when I, when I watch them is that it typically goes like this, is that there's a, there's a prescription drug being advertised, and they'll show on the screen a very positive, peppy person, usually playing in the park with their dog, and they're healthy and mostly healthy and happy, and, and their dog is healthy and happy too, and while they're showing the sunshine and the balloons and the unicorns and rainbows, there's a narrator who's also speaking in a very positive way, but if you listen closely to what the narrator is saying... He's saying some pretty nasty stuff. Like, if you choose to take Bustiva, your eyes might fall out, your fingernails grow into claws, your inner organs will become rocks, your skin will turn green, and you will cackle like a witch. Ah, right? So it's the, they're, they're doing their due diligence and sharing the, the proven research side effects, right? The risks of taking the drug. All's fair. Powerful drugs sometimes have powerful side effects. That's how it works. Uh, but it's just the, the way that they present it, and it just, it can be funny. There's just such a, a, a difference between the two. Jesus does something very similar in this parable today, except there's, there's a few differences. So what Jesus does in this parable today is he's actually warning believers that we live in a wicked world, and there's going to be side effects to you being, being a believer, being a Christian, and living in a wicked, evil world. There's going to be risks. There's going to be side effects. So listen carefully. But here's what's different about Jesus than pharmaceutical companies. Jesus takes the full responsibility on himself for the side effects. Jesus takes the full responsibility on himself for how hard it might be for you as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, to live in a world that doesn't whole scale follow Jesus, and there's tension there. And so it's actually very encouraging. You're gonna hear the side effects, and it's, they're not just shown on a screen with a peppy, positive person playing with their dog in a park, but Jesus says, I got this, but you need to know that this is gonna happen. Now, uh, Jesus is gonna do that, and so I, I, I need, I need you to understand it's important that as followers of Jesus, we do not do three things, three different things, when it comes to our beliefs not aligning with the beliefs of our neighbors, our friends, or family. That we do not do these three things when we find that, you know, coworkers or classmates might not appreciate the faith that we have in, in might actually persecute us for it, okay? Don't do these three things. Number one, don't hide your faith. 
Don't stick your head in the sand and think, okay, if I just hide, everything will be okay. See how ridiculous those people look? I like this guy with his legs straight up in the air. <laughs> this is how right, you think, I'm just going to hide. I'll, I'll camouflage my face. I can just kind of fit in with the culture. Don't do that. That's not why God put you here, left you here on this earth until you get to heaven. Okay, number two, don't isolate from the world. Okay, this is a typical church thing, and shame on us as a church for doing this. We, we believers build churches, and not, usually not with the intention, but it happens. Build churches as like fortresses, so we can lock the doors on the evil world we can, we can bombard the evil world with rockets of blame and shame and all kinds of guilt, tell everyone out there how terrible that they are, lock the doors, and think that we're safe inside. And by doing so, we become our own worst enemy. And the church becomes corrupt from the inside, not from the outside. From our own proud and sinful and evil hearts, thinking that we just, this is all perfect because we're in here and we're church people. So we don't isolate ourselves from the world. Okay, I'm going to talk more about that later. Finally, don't judge eternally people or groups who have different opinions than you, different backgrounds than you, vote differently than you, send their kids to a different school than you. Don't judge them unfairly, wrongly, and eternally. Not fair. That's sinful behavior, and it leaves a bad mark for Christianity around the world when we as Christians are going on social media and we're just ranting and raving about people because they have different opinions than we do. Watch it. Watch it. Because Jesus is watching. So that, it's, it's tricky business. I get it. How do we relate? How do we live in this world around us which is not totally like us? All right, so that's the, that's the background for Jesus' parable here, and I'm going to read to you now what Jesus said. Here's this parable of the weeds and the wheat in Matthew chapter 13. Well, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. Or sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Ugh. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. That's the story. That's a parable. Now we have, this isn't true for all parables, but now we have Jesus' explanation to what he just said. He, his disciples say, huh? Well, I don't get it. What does that mean? And now he explains it. So here's, what, here's Jesus' teaching. Listen. Then he left the crowd, went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Well, you got a whole line up there of Jesus explaining. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's Jesus' parable, weeds in the wheat. All right, let's unpack this for a little bit. Okay, let's unpack this, even more than what Jesus does. So, in Jesus' parable, there's a, there's a farmer who sows seeds. Those seeds that he sows in his field are, Jesus says, those are believers. Those are followers of Jesus. And then there's the field. This is a big point here. Listen carefully. You might know some, I, I bet some of you know this parable already, but you may need a reminder about this, or this is new to you. What does the field represent? Jesus is sowing his seeds. Those are believers. Where does he sow believers? And at least in this parable, the field is not church. The field is the world. That's a big point. I'm going I'm to hang on that one. We're going we're gonna to stay there as Jesus explains his parable. Very important. There's weeds in this field then, and the weeds are, Jesus says, unbelievers. How, now, how, how can this happen? If this is God's field, God's in charge here. He's the owner. He's the farmer. He's the, how can there be weeds in his field if God is in charge? He, Jesus explained this, verses 38 and 39. He says, the weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. Devil is real, as real as angels are. Can't see him, but he's real. He was real on Jesus' day, he's real now. And he, and he attacks and he advances against God's kingdom. So listen, listen carefully. Some of you really need to hear this as far as wickedness, pain, injustice, problems, and suffering in your life and around you and all over the world. God does not cause evil. God is not responsible for wickedness. I know your human brain likes to think, well, God is ultimately all-powerful, so he could do anything, and he could snap his fingers and prevent the war between Israel and Hamas. Of course he could. But God also operates in a way that you and I don't understand. And so Jesus says it here. Who is responsible for the evil, for the weeds, for the unbelievers, and for them being around you? Who is responsible for it? God is not. The devil is. So wickedness, unbelief, violence, injustice in our world is not God's work. It is the devil's work. What's God's work? Jesus says it. It's right there. Jesus says what God's work is. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. What's God's work? To plant you. As a, as a follower of Jesus, you, you want to believe in Jesus, you're, 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 you're a child of God, you, you, that's God's work. You are who you are. You are where you are, including being right here today. 
and you are becoming what you can become by Jesus' good work. He's planting you strategically, purposefully. Jesus plants you. That's what he says right here. He plants you. It does not happen by accident. It even doesn't happen by your choice. It doesn't happen by a lucky break or a streak of bad luck. You are where you are as a follower of Jesus because Jesus puts you there at that time with those people and has divine purposes and plans for you. That's huge. None of it is by accident, including you being here today. He has us all, Jesus, where he wants us to be. Um, you know, do you know any good gardeners? I kind of think I'm a gardener. I, have landscape, I like landscaping, and I like keeping my lawn nice and neat, and I don't know if I'd call myself a gardener. I, I, I follow a, a Pflugerville Gardeners Facebook group that kind of has hints about what to do with plants, and you know, good gardeners, they know if, the, if you plant one seed, you plant, when you plant it, when you sow the seed, you plant it a quarter inch deep. I, I'm thinking like carrot seeds, am I right? Carrot seeds, you don't plant very, no gardeners in here. I can just say whatever I want about gardening today and no one will catch me. Carrot seeds, I'm pretty sure you plant those only like, like, like a quarter inch. Like, you, like you, when you plant them, you're like, there's two specks of dirt over that? What in the world? That's how you're supposed to plant carrots. And then a good gardener, so you like beans, little bean seed, you know, you plant those deeper. And so they know this stuff. They know uh, you have to bring your hibiscus in if it becomes 45 degrees at night. And if you don't, it's going to shrivel. And they know oh, this plant likes sunlight and this doesn't. You know, you know gardeners like that, right? They know that stuff. That's Jesus for you. He knows exactly if you need more sun or more shade. How deeply to plant you. What plants to plant around you. He, he knows all that stuff. Jesus, he's a good gardener. And so he plants you to believe and serve and live and grow in his, his garden, in his field, in the world. Now, how can you be sure of that? I want you to be sure of that. I want you to be sure that you are a believer in Jesus and that he's put you in a, in a place that is good and strategic and purposeful. And you can be by these words right here of what Jesus calls you. He calls you a name here. It's a good name. People of the kingdom. The good seed stands for people of the kingdom. Uh, in the original uh, language in the New Testament, in, in the, in the, uh, there's a language, uh, it's Greek. In that original, this actually says sons of the kingdom. We use the word people so that we know it applies to everybody, which it does, but Jesus, the, the Greek word there means sons. And I think that's a little more powerful, a little more picturesque as what Jesus is trying to get across here for, for believers. Believers are not slaves in the kingdom. They are not servants in the kingdom. They're not even just citizens in the kingdom. Here, Jesus says, you as a believer, you're a son of the kingdom. And being a son, that comes with special privileges. And it, it, it comes with a special identity. Right? And, and there's special blessings that happen because you are a son. Uh, specially cared for, special privileges. I mean, how does God specially care for you? Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, look at all the birds. Just notice, birds, birds flying around. Unless it's dove season and all these Texas men are out there shooting them. Other than that, birds are pretty chill. 
Right? Jesus says birds, they fly around, they sit on telephone wires, they, they don't worry about where their food comes from, they, just, they, they don't build big barns, they know God's going to take care of them. Jesus says elsewhere, any time a sparrow falls to the ground and died, it dies, God, God knows about it, he cares. And then Jesus says this, God cares about you personally more than he cares about all the birds in the entire world, even the big beautiful ones and the toucans and the Wow, that's special care, because you're a son, you're privileged. And, and Jesus says, how about all the flowers? Think of all the most beautiful flowers and the plants and all the tropical ones, and they're just gorgeous now. And Jesus says, God made you with more intent and more beauty and more design than he made the flowers of the field. That means you're pretty special in God's eyes. How about privileges? All right, sons enjoy privileges. Right, I have two boys. They grew up in my house. They would bring friends over. Eh, those friends would be guests for a sleepover or something. We'd be good hosts, but none of those friends that my boys brought over enjoyed the same amount of privileges that my sons did in my house. So you, are, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you enjoy special privileges from Jesus as a believer. What are they? What are, you don't have to give an exhaustive list, but what are some? I'm, I'm asking you. I want you to tell me. Shout it out. What are, what are some privileges? Just say it, just one. You don't, I, don't want, I don't want to hear nine. You've got to let other people talk. But health. Health. You enjoy special health that people who aren't followers of Jesus don't enjoy because you're connecting with him in prayer and he's given you this, this gift that he'll give that to everybody, but he'll give it to you in a very special, certain way, and it contributes to your salvation, health. What else? Understanding. Understanding. Like Jesus talks about sending his spirit to, to help you, to enlighten you. The, the Holy Spirit is called the counselor in the Bible, and so, right, gaining knowledge, gaining appreciation, gaining new understanding of, of it's never going to be 100% complete because only God 100% understands, but it can grow. Understanding, appreciation, good one. What else? Talk about understanding, and now you mentioned peace. Um, Karen and I sat together the other morning, and we're like, why are, we, why are we in such a good place? We don't understand it. And we're like, oh, that's the point. If you understand peace, you're not going to have a whole lot of peace. But if you let peace, the peace beyond all understanding, right? So peace is a gift from God. You don't have to analyze it. You don't have to control it. You don't need to manipulate it. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Peace is a gift from Jesus for those who believe in him. Good one. What else? The ability to forgive others is like releasing yourself from prison. Forgiveness is not instinctive and not natural. Okay? So, a shark doesn't eat a dolphin and then feel bad. Okay? It doesn't, it, it doesn't happen. A, a wolf doesn't eat a rabbit and then say, I am so sorry, please forgive me, I'll never do that again. Forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness 
To be forgiveness must be divine, can only be and totally wrapped in Jesus. And when it is, you can do it. There may be a part of you that doesn't want to. That's okay. There's a part of me that doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes I do. It's okay. But Jesus is going to work that forgiveness that you can have for others because he forgives you. All right, one more. Make it a good one. They've all been good so far. No pressure. One more. Promise for eternal life. I'm going to combine that with faith. We get two for one here. Okay? Promise for eternal. There is something beyond this place. Folks, we're just camping here. There's something beyond this place that is so glorious. Everlasting life in heaven. And Jesus says, I'm preparing that for you. And you get that. As a believer, you get that. How do you get it? Faith. Faith trusts in Jesus and what he has. So, man, we could be here all day. Y'all did great. I'm proud of you. Those are special privileges we enjoy as sons of the kingdom. And then I want to talk about identity here. You have a special identity as a follower of Jesus. An identity so secure and so solid that you can get up and look at yourself in the mirror and feel something about yourself that isn't true and that doesn't shape your identity. Because this Jesus does. Jesus shapes your identity. So repeat, say what I say. I am a perfectly made child of God connected to Jesus all the time. That's your identity. No one can take it away. Unless you want to give it away. But don't do that. All right, special privileges, sons of the kingdom. All right, so where does Jesus do this? Where where does Jesus put you so that you're living with all these blessings? Okay, that's, that's important as we unpack this parable. So he wants you to have peace, to be able to forgive, faith, eternal life, health, where... You, you would think there's got to be this sterile atmosphere somewhere that's totally removed. It's like if you're planting a garden, you plant it in the way back corner of your backyard near the fence so the dogs don't run around it and the neighbors don't overwater it and you know, it's a protected place. You would think that that's where God gives these blessings to you. Uh-uh. He gives them to you in the middle of the field, which is the world. So he wants you living with these blessings as you mix and mingle with unbelievers and people who don't align with your Christian values, that's where he gives you these blessings to live. That's what Jesus is saying here. So the world, not the church, is Jesus' field, and he plants you very carefully and very strategically, and he keeps an eye both on weeds, unbelievers, and on wheat, believers. The weeds cannot and will not overtake the wheat. The weeds will not win. The weeds will not create a nasty, full of havoc, weed-infested field. It's not going to happen. Jesus hopes and prays that the wheat will overwhelm the weeds. That's why he puts you out there, because he loves you, and he wants to give you health and peace, but he also loves Mr. or Mrs. Unbeliever, too, and wants them to have what you have. So weed control. Weed control is a fact of life. If you uh, own a yard, even if you, you uh, have potted plants, anyone ever have a weed grow in a potted plant inside your house? 
And I'm, I, I, it happens, right? Crazy. How does that happen? Weeds, weeds grow everywhere. So you, you have to practice weed control. If you have a yard, if you have landscape, your garden, if you have potted plants, um, they make this awesome, powerful, poisonous spray called Roundup. Oh, man. Roundup kills stuff, including you, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> Roundup, you take, this, you take this thing full of Roundup, and you go around, you spray it, and it's going to kill whatever it touches. Now, this is, this is the fun part of living in a neighborhood and going for walks. I can tell who the rookie yard owners are. These are usually the young guys that just, just got married and have a family, because uh, you walk around, and what do their lawns look like, like in early summer? Their lawns are nice and green, except for brown spots here and here and here. You know why? They take Roundup, psh, psh, and they spray the weeds in their lawn. And what happens when you spray Roundup? It kills everything, including your lawn. So I, I, I joke, because I've done it before, too. I don't do it anymore. But Roundup kills everything. Uh, hey, you can use Roundup. You just got to be careful where you spray it and don't spray it on weeds and your lawn's going to kill a lawn too. But there's a better way for weed control, and that is just grow the healthiest lawn possible. It's very natural. It doesn't involve poisonous products. No judgment. But uh, it, the healthiest lawn possible means, there's a picture in my front yard. Just kidding. It's not. Um, if your lawn is healthy and growing and, and the grass has strong roots and shoots, it makes it harder for the weeds to grow. They just can't. You'll notice this in your yard. If you have kind of some bare spots, more weeds are going to grow in the bare spot. And if you have luscious grass somewhere, fewer weeds are going to grow. And so what we want to do is we want to grow a healthy, healthy lawn and uh, don't, don't use Roundup. Spiritually speaking, what does that mean? In the parable, Jesus says the servants ask the owner, do you want us to pull the, pull the weeds up? Right? You want us to pull the weeds up? Uh, you want us to go out and pull them up, they say? Uh, he answers, no, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Now is not the time for isolation. Now is not the time for judgment. Now is the time for interaction. Now is the time for the wheat and the weeds to be together in God's field until the harvest. You know, Jesus shows us that himself. When God sent his son to save, where did he plant him? Behind closed church doors? In a, in a monastery somewhere where all these perfect men of God, or a cloister, all these perfect women of God were singing like angels and everything... Where did God plant his own son? In, in the middle of the world at the time? In Bethlehem? With shepherds? Who, shepherds are not priests. Not even close. But God planted his own son Jesus in, in his own field in the world to be known and believed. All right, so when will the separation happen? Um, in the parable, Jesus says, at the end of the age... He's teaching there. That means completion of time at the end of the completion of time. And what's going to be? What's going to happen? There's only two places, only two places of eternal destiny. Just two. Not seven. Not fourteen. Not not lots of op. Just two. Heaven and hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Heaven and hell. 
And so here's what Jesus says. The, the weeds, the unbelievers, are going to be scorched, and the wheat, the believers, will be saved. One will be burned, one will be barned. That's, that's the eternal destiny according to Jesus. And so uh, we do not need to be afraid of that as believers. Don't be afraid of Judgment Day because of what Jesus says here. He says, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Whose job is it to get you in the right place on Judgment Day? Not yours. Jesus takes responsibility for that, for the side effect of all the chaos and turmoil. Get Jesus, and he'll send his angels, and he'll get you in the right place on Judgment Day because he's your Savior, and you don't have to worry about it. He takes responsibility. And then what's going to happen? The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You will shine. So how about this? Until we get there, until we get to heaven, and there's the field, and we're, we're in a wicked world. How about if we shine right now, knowing how much we will shine later? And how about if, as a church, we make this place not like a library that has all these rules, and, and we shush people, and they have to keep the rules just the right way, or we kick them? How about if, we, how about if we're more like a launching pad, and this church is a launching pad where we go out and we shine like lights in the community? And um, how about if we're like uh, just a lively party, and we celebrate Jesus, and people know when they come here that the joy of Jesus is in this place? Let's do that as we are wheat among the weeds in the world. And how can, you, how can you in your own life do that better? I'm going to give you some help right now. Here's our spiritual next step for this week. So go to hegetsus.com. These people are really good. This is a Christian ministry, but you wouldn't know it looking at the website because they want to connect to people who are skeptical about Jesus, who have had bad experiences with Jesus or with the church. Go there, hegetsus.com. And they have all kinds of articles, all kinds of videos. Find one that works for you, kind of tells your story, and then share it with a friend who needs Jesus. And uh, you'll be amazed at the library of resources there and what they do.